This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Really glad to have this young lady back. She, she's uh, Adele Nazarian, CEO of a couple of different organizations. One is about global justice. The other one is about blockchain and, and crypto and stuff like that. And you've got such a wealth of knowledge on both. I can't wait to talk to you about both of these things. First, welcome back to the show. How are you? It's, thank you so much, Joe. It's so great to be back on with you again. I'm doing well. Uh, a lot of stuff has been happening. And uh, let's hopefully wish for the best. But yeah. it's take it every single person to really put an effort forward, of course. Well, yeah. as you know, you, you travel the world a lot, but you're from the United States. Can we say New Jersey? You're from New Jersey. I can say that, can I? Jersey, yeah, Jersey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the thing is, in this country right now, uh, Adele, and it bothers me, we don't really know much about the human tragedy that's happening in Syria. We, of course, hear that something really bad happened, an earthquake, and then we hear that 12,000 people died, which is a massive number, but we're just not getting much coverage on it. A, why do you think we don't get much coverage on it? What can you tell me about it? So it's it's unfortunately about 41,000 deaths. Oh, um, my God. Turkey and Syria collectively. It's pretty horrifying. And what I think the reason is that there isn't as much of an emphasis. There's so much already, you know, political infighting, division in our country, in the United States, as it is that there leaves so little room for the everyday you know, American right. to kind of want their focus to be placed outside of what's really troubling them within their own homes, within the, worried about you know, who's the best representative to right. uh, make sure that they're going to have, frankly, uh, enough food in the fridge, um, that their children are going to be able to go to a school that's going to provide a safe, secure education that they're, they're, they're literally looking, uh, unlike ever before in our nation's history, I would say, worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. And restoring that sense of security has truly become a top priority domestically, refocusing that, fo- that kind of focus and energy towards uh, the nation. That's why I think there hasn't been a good focus. It'd be about 41,000 people dying. I mean, we, we, we love, we're humanitarians, generally sure. speaking, as human beings. How do, uh, the fact that we don't know about that blows my mind. But the number has jumped from 12,000 to 41,000, and I'm in the news business, and I didn't even know that. So yeah. w- what is literally happening there? Have you been to the region? Do you talk to people there? What's, what's going on? The recovery uh, is still happening? Yeah, I've I've been there. I was actually in Hatay, which is in the southern uh, border, bordering the, the north of Syria, and that is was severely hit. The, the airport, in fact, that I was that I went to, that I flew out from, is no longer there. It's non-existent. Wow. And um, 
I will say this, there's there's been a, a really a, more of an emphasis on Syria lately. It's unfortunate that it's taken so long, 12 years, entering the 13th year on March 15th of this civil war. But recovery efforts have been honestly humiliating. There have been a lot of aid was, thank God, it went to Turkey initially, and it's still coming in. It took nine days for United Nations aid to actually reach the Syrian people. And this is, I can just share with you some images uh, that I should provide you ahead of hand, but it's just, it's horrifying. There's, I think yesterday there was a story of a 17 year old um, girl that was rescued after, uh, I think it was the 10th day. And oh it, it was a miracle. They've, they've, for all intents and purposes, stopped the rescue efforts because they don't expect people to survive um, past this window. And there are stories of babies being rescued. And it's just, it's, it's honestly miraculous. I was seeing images of parents that literally died under the rubble, shielding their, their kids and their kids were able to survive. Wow. But without having the, the resources available to them provided, it's um, the likelihood of survival are much, much slimmer. It's Adele Nazarian. You can follow her everywhere. CEO Global Justice. Go to globaljusticeinc.org, globaljusticeinc.org. Let me ask you about the Civil War there. And I don't know how, how in-depth you want to get with this, but I know that billions and billions of dollars are going to Ukraine. And I'm not sure why. We're allegedly saving democracy, but it's not a democratic country. Um, this guy who's the head of it is not a, a, a democratically aligned guy. He shuts down the press, shuts down religious beliefs just because he can. And we're sending him $100 billion. What are we doing in this civil war in Syria? Are we giving enough support to the good guys, whoever that is, versus the bad guys in this country? And is that something outside of your realm, or do you want to talk about that? Thank you for that question. You know, the Global Justice is a strictly humanitarian organization, um, but, I, but I will say that there is certainly a divide. It is extremely politicized. There's the Turkey is involved, Russia's involved, right. Iran's involved. Of course, the government that is heading out of Damascus, the the which has you know been at the the, the spear and the head of this civil war is um, the Assad government. Right. And there has been a, to your point, Russia ha was actually, for all intents and purposes, using Syria as a sort of testing ground before they went ahead and invaded Ukraine. Wow. And so democracy truly, I will say, is such a relative term, right? Um, even the United States, is, it's a republic, right? But democracy is it's really um it's so hard to define in these countries they take like a, a version of it and implement it and claim that it's their own but certainly there is not the level of freedom anywhere else in the world i've witnessed uh as there is in the united states and it's certainly not to be taken for granted right and regarding the factionalizations in in syria it's so divided and I want to talk about a little bit the fact that the United States, uh, the, the current administration, has said that it will not recognize the Assad government, the Assad regime. But when it came to actually providing aid to, to the Syrians, they were essentially waiting for a green light from the current regime that they refused to recognize before allowing for the UN 
to provide aid there. And so it sends kind of a confusing message in some sense. Well, well it, it does, because if we're not going to support the guy, why are we waiting for his okay? We should just ignore him and, and do what we have to do to get the aid to the people who need it. It's Adele Nazarian, globaljusticeinc.org uh, is the website. She's the CEO there. And I don't mean to take you down that, that road, other than I know that Ukraine is important because uh, it's sort of the bridge between Western Europe and Eastern Europe, and that's why Russia wants part of it. That's why we fight so hard to try to keep it so-called democratic. I just know that we're ignoring things that are going on in parts of Africa. I know that we're ignoring things that are going on in Yemen. I know that we're ignoring things that are going on in Syria to a large extent while we send $100 billion to Ukraine. It just doesn't make sense to me. Now, you've traveled the world and you've been to these regions. I haven't, and I just wondered what it was. Just if you don't mind, and this is not about military movements or about global politics, just explain the people of Syria to me. I don't know anything about them. So it's such a beautiful, rich culture and history. The, the Syrian people, you know, it's it was the cradle of civilization. You can find people from all different ethnicities there. There's, of course, there's Muslims, there's Jews, there's Christians historically. Yeah. Uh, there's Kurds, there's Turks, there's so many different ethnicities as well. And they're a very, very welcoming people. I can tell you that when I was in Hatay, there a lot of Syrian refugees, of course, are, are were living there. A, a lot of them have been affected, obviously. Right. It was so hospitable. Just they open their homes. It's very similar to also, I'd say, you know, say Iranian culture. Um, the people are very welcoming, but they've gone through so, so much. And currently, I was just communicating, for example, with someone who is in the process of creating a documentary for the organization, and the this person's brother died in, in the in the quake wow. in, in Turkey, actually. And so what's what's the biggest issue is people are not getting the news to the level they should be regarding. Exactly. And I think it has to do with the fact that, for example, factionalization, there's the PKK, which is the Kurdistan Workers Party, and they are deemed a terrorist group by uh, Turkey, by the U.S., some other countries, the UAE, I believe. Okay. And then you have the Syrian Democratic Forces, and they are uh, backed by the U.S. But then there's, as of late, been some news, for example, that actually it's been for quite a while now, that, for example, the SDF has been kind of communicating with other designated terror entities, um, the PKK, for example, and that's been causing a lot of tension uh, and difficulty for the U.S. when dealing with negotiating with Turkey because there's that kind of like middle ground, right? right. You have not, there's nothing There's nothing neutral there. There's this internal fighting between all these different factions. And so it complicates things. Well, the, uh, well I want to stop you because, uh, first of all, it's Adele Nazarian, CEO of Global Justice. Go to globaljusticeinc.org, globaljusticeinc.org. Go and check out the website. Is it, and again, I'm not, I'm not very uh, you know knowledgeable about the region, so let me make a comparison. We know that in Iraq, before the war, it was, uh, you had Shia Muslims, you had Sunni Muslims, then you had Kurds. And people like Joe Biden were saying split it into three countries. Is Syria similar to that, where there are three different factions fighting for the same control? Can it be split into three countries? Will one entity come out on top, do you think? I don't think that Syria should necessarily be, be, be split the way that it is divided geographically. Yeah. The northeast, the northwest primarily, it's, it's where Kurds and the t- Turkish uh, forces are, Turkish government are more heavily focused right. and based. And in fact, global justice, I will share this with you. I think it'll it'll be very interesting for the audience as well to know that we're in the north 
east of Syria, actually in Ras al-Ain, it's called rebuilding. We've already started several agricultural projects, cotton, corn, and wheat. And we're also starting medical clinics, buildings, and schools where all the employees that are employed by Global Justice will be required to enroll their children in schools there. And what we're trying to do is within a year's time, of course, now with the earthquake, I think there's even more of an impetus and more of a rush to make sure this development happens um, to make it a sustainable economic model for, for Syrians to come and live in. Um, it has, it, it's, it's really being positioned as the place and the model to become completely non-reliant on foreign aid. Because that's where the problem occurs. Every six right. months, UN Security Council, it has the vote to whether or not to renew um, aid to the region. And then, of course, Russia has historically been the one to block it. This time they weren't blocking it. But it, it, they shouldn't. The, the fate of so many millions of people shouldn't teeter um, in the hands of these organizations when they can become self-sufficient. And so what we're doing is also trying to build the area up very quickly and rapidly so any refugees or internally dis displaced people can actually return to the Northeast. And then that model of success can be trustfully expanded out through other parts of the country. Well, I, I love what you said there. That makes perfect sense. If you aren't getting foreign aid, then those foreigners don't have any say in what your country looks like. And you should be self-sustaining. Then you can be, you know, the Syria that you want it to be. I don't like that we're involved in everything around the, around the globe. I don't like us to be the police officer around the globe. You know, if somebody's invading and somebody is, is killing innocent people for no reason, we're humanitarian. We want to stop that. But the fact that so so many different factions want control of Syria bothers me. So many different factions want control of Ukraine bothers me. I like what you guys are doing at Global Justice by saying, let's get the necessities done. Let's build the schools. Let's build the hospitals. Let's let's grow the, the food. And then you can be less reliant on the rest of the world. Adele Nazarian, globaljusticeinc.org. And I actually want to change the, the lower third under you as people watch this because I want to switch to blockchain if we can. Um, because you're also the CEO of American Blockchain Pack. AmericanBlockchainPack.org. And I told you this. You and I are friends. I told you, I don't know anything about crypto. And you, you're also an expert on crypto, which is great. Everybody but everybody who has anything to say about crypto today is talking about FTX. And yeah. FTX is, has scared the hell, I'm going to say it, hell out of me. Because I don't have any crypto at all. And I, but I do have money in a bank account, and I do make money in what I do. I'm afraid of the digital um, revolution that appears to be happening because if some doofus like this guy Sam Bankman-Fried can get a hold of my money and trick me by using big-name stars in my ads, I'm not so sure that I'm going to know what the heck I'm doing. So if you can, give me a primer. Because Adele, you tell me this off the air all the time. I'm kind of a dumb guy. Give me a primer and tell me what, what the heck is crypto and why should I trust it? First of all, Joe, I've never called you dumb. You're so awesome <laughs> that. You know it. That's hilarious. <laughs> nice try. Oh, thank you. All right. So, so, so fill me. Should I be as afraid as I am? You know, I would say that there. it depends on the type of, uh, type of investment that you're looking into, yeah. right? There's a lot of so-called coins out there, okay? But I'm going to start with giving a little bit of a primer to the audience about what crypto actually is. It's It started from blockchain technology. It's a digital ledger a distributed digital ledger of transactions, it's duplicated and distributed across the entire network of nodes, a computer system that has tons of nodes, right? And so what happens is every single transaction, it's literally recorded. And it has to, it has to go in line with the following transaction subsequent. If something doesn't add up, automatically it's prevented from proceeding. And that's why they call it an immutable ledger. What happens is it's kind of like taking blockchain technology, right? It's kind of like taking uh, 
two people doing a math equation. You have to have someone there to actually do the math equation. And then before blockchain was created, um, there were there was someone who had to always kind of look over the person's shoulder to make sure that the math equation or whatever it was, was being done correctly. Right. And now with blockchain, you don't require that because you have, it's hashes, it's hashed, right? It's cryptographic. Cryptography is the underlying technology, which is why crypto comes from cryptography. And you have a trustless system, meaning that you don't have to have someone constantly looking over the shoulder, uh, so to speak, the figurative shoulder, because it's done in such a way that it records every single transaction. Right. So it's immutable. And also, um, with with crypto, there's a lot of coins out there. And they were part of the dump and, pump and dump scheme. In the case of SBF, Sam Bankman-Fried, and FTX, that whole scandal, there was a lot of uh, dishonesty there. Alameda Labs was, of course, used to push a lot of money. There was a lot of money there that was right. hidden. That wasn't there for the public eye. It was it was people, other people's money. Um, I do find it very, very interesting that he has not yet been uh, behind bars. I mean, FTX has done what it can to liquidate assets, to get the money back, and to redistribute it um, to the individuals that had invested. But the biggest thing here is the fact that uh, he had contributed a lot of money to the Democratic Exactly Party. right, yeah. And the, right. And so blockchain, crypto in general, it's not a political issue. It shouldn't be. There should be, frankly, consensus and support for it across party lines. Well, let, let me ask you this. We're almost out of time. And it's, an, it's Adele Nazarian, CEO, of American Blockchain, AmericanBlockchainPack.org is the website for this company or this organization that she's with. Um, I've got to ask you this because it's, it's making my head hurt. I would not have known that he was doing, you know, bad stuff with the with the crypto, I would have trusted that it was what these big basketball star, stars said it was, what the big football stars or what, you know, Mr. Wonderful from uh, from the Shark Tank. They were all out there advertising this as if it was exactly what you said it was, and it wasn't. And I'm not saying that they knew it, but this guy looks like was committing all sorts of bad fraud. So how would I know going in? The best advice that I can give is look at the top maybe 100 coins cryptocurrencies, those are going to be the best indicator, the most secure bets. I always say of all the coins that are out there, uh, Bitcoin has been the most secure and safe, and I think it will be for the long term. But in in terms of generally in general cryptocurrency, it's going to come down to regulation. And unfortunately, the three and four letter agencies, the SEC, the CFTC, all these organizations haven't yet come uh, come to a mutual mutuality of definitions of actually defining what crypto is. Don't be a stranger. Come back soon, would you, Adele? I would love to. Thank you. And we'll talk more about the Republican Democrat infighting when it comes to crypto. I'm looking forward to it. That would be great. Thank you. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pag Show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, 
to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Great to have you. Thanks. I appreciate you stopping, Mike. Let's do a quick pop culture. Paul, what you got? So I don't know if you heard this, but Bruce Willis's family announced that his uh, condition has worsened and he now has dementia. I'm a big fan. I hate to hear it. Polo, thanks, man. Sam, thank you. I got to go. See you. Have a good weekend. This is the Joe Pegg Show.